You know, history is his story. Now think about it, H-I-S-T-O-R-Y. History is his, H-I-S, story. You see, history is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Fred, that are a lot of other things related to history other than the coming of Jesus. I'll tell you what, Jesus changed the course of history. I'm telling you, he divided it B.C., before Christ, A.D., in the year of our Lord. I still can't get over that. that it's always been precious to me when the poet said all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the kings that have ever reigned, and all the parliaments that have ever met did not affect the life of man on earth like the life of Jesus Christ. You know, he never traveled over 100 miles from his house. Never had a home he could call his own. Never had an automobile. Never held an office. But you know, all around the world today, they're celebrating the one who changed the course of history, Jesus Christ. Now, we've been looking at his story. You remember on, on the, uh, I think it was the 11th of December, we looked at Emmanuel, God with us. That's Jesus. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And, we, and then on the 18th, we looked at Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, our Savior, and our Redeemer. Well, today, on the 25th, the day we celebrate the great event in history, the coming of God into this world, we celebrate Emmanuel, Jesus, our life. And you know, that's what makes it so, so important. I don't usually, uh, I do take the newspaper because I like to read the sports section because I don't necessarily agree with their opinions, and I know that really doesn't bother them. But anyway, now they had on the headlines of the paper today, Jesus came to save us all from our sins. And that's true. I mean, it was a headline. And the guy began to quote, he heard that in a Christmas play, that Jesus came to save us from all our sins. But the only thing is, you have to ask him. It's not something that just happens. The Bible says, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, but I, I was so glad just to see that biblical statement, Jesus came to save us from all our sins. But I read down a little bit, and the pastor over at Christ United Methodist, who's a wonderful guy, uh, the new pastor said, but I just wish that we understand what that meant in our life every day. <laughs> it's one thing to celebrate his birth and the fact that he came to save us from our sins. It's another thing for it to affect our life and the way we live every day. And so what we're going to do this morning is just going to talk about Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus, our life. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, and th these verses will be on the screen, and so I hope you'll read them with me. But in, Ma in Matthew 1, it says, but while, but, while the thought about, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, say it. Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
But look at this. You go and read on in the next verse. And it says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Now this is what I want you to see. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Oh, you see, Jesus was not just a prophet. He is God with us. He's not just a miracle worker. He is God with us. He's not one who just came to show us and teach us how to live and how to walk. No, he is God with us. And as God with us, that changes everything. We read in in, uh, Philippians where it plainly declares that Jesus is God. You see, there are a lot of people that want to say, well, Jesus was a God. Jesus was a prophet. He was a teacher. That, that, that's not true. He himself claimed to be God. He himself claimed to be God. And Paul, evidently, when he spent time with Jesus after he was converted, Jesus showed him these things. He said, and being found in appearance as a man, this is Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. You see, Jesus, it says in Philippians that he was in the form of God, did not think in something to be held on to, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. Paul declared in Philippians 2, Jesus Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. We go over and we read in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. This is all the word of God. God who at various times and in various ways spoke to us in times past by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Now listen to what it says. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Wait a minute. Through whom he made the worlds. He must have been more than a prophet. He must have been more than a teacher. Through whom he made the worlds. And listen how it describes Jesus. Who being the brightness of of God's glory, the express image of his person, and holding everything together by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sin, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The word of God plainly declares, Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. Now, and the Bible says that Jesus came really to be our life, to be our life. There, there are a couple of scriptures I want to show you. you. You see, we say, well, I know Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and he's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. But you've got to understand, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go away for a while, but I'm going to come back. And he came back in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he came back to indwell his people. And so he is still with us. He is still God with us, but more than that, he is God in us. All right, look at John chapter 1. You'll see it on the screen. Now, this what it says about him. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, okay? He was in the beginning with God. Now, look at this. All things were made through him. Time out. It says of Jesus, all things were made through him. And without him was nothing made that was made. And then he gets down 
Oh, in him was life. In Jesus was life. And his life was the light of men. He was the, his life was the very light of people that God created. And the light shone in the darkness. And the darkness could not put it out. Over in Colossians, it tells us that Jesus is our life. I want you to look in verse, chapter 3, verse 1. If you were raised with Christ, this is all the word of God. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now look at this. When Christ who is our life. Now it doesn't say when Christ who will be our life when he comes back. No. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So today, this is where we're going to look. Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus, our life. You know, there's a verse that I, somebody shared with me about a week ago. We were just having a conversation. And that verse has just been hanging around with me all, all the time. And it seems to keep be coming up. And of all places, it's found over in the book of Acts. In the 17th chapter, in the 28th verse. And, and I'm a, it, it's an amazing story. And we're going to look at it because uh, it just fascinates you. In Acts 17, 28, now look what it says. Talking about Jesus. Paul is preaching to the philosophers and the Stoics in Athens, Greece. He was there preaching to them. They called for him and asked him to speak to them. And in the midst of his little brief message, this is what he said about Jesus. For in him we live and move and have our being. Wait a minute. For we... For as the poet said, we're also his offspring. Now, what, you know what that means? That it's not Jesus up there and us down here. It's Jesus Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father, but who has come to live in us by the Holy Spirit. And it is saying to us, you know, in him we live and move and have our very being. That is to me saying that Jesus is our life. He is our life now. Not will be our life. That he is our life. Now, we're going to look at this story. In, in Acts chapter 17, verse 15. Here's where we were. They had run Paul out of two cities because he was preaching about Jesus. So he finally ended up in Athens. And he noticed that Athens was just full of idols, idols everywhere. Well, it troubled him, so he went in the synagogue and started preaching about Jesus. Well, it, it got him all upset, so I want you to look at what happened. This is the story, and you'll love this. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to be with him at all speed, and they departed. Okay. So while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him because he saw that the city was full of idols. And he just couldn't stand it. So he said, man, i got to do something about this. So he go, therefore, 
he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily, those who happened to be there. So he just started saying, let me tell you, Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. And he, and he goes on. And so they get all, they say he's preaching a strange God. We'll look at verse 18. Therefore, then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and said, what does this babbler want to say? They call him a babbler. Others said he seems to be preaching a, 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 a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. See, they'd never heard that. So they took him, look here, and brought him to the Areopagus. Boy, that ain't an easy word to say. And took him to the Areopagus and said, we want to know this new doctrine. That was where they met to, to philosophize and to discuss all their gods. And so they said, okay, let's get him over here and let's just destroy what he says. And so the, in the Areopagus, they got him over there and, uh, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. And may we, may we know what new doctrine is this which you're saying? Boy, they really set them up for, to hear something. When you ask Paul what he believed, I tell you what he'd do, he'd tell you. And so they took, and, and then, then Paul stood in the midst of their Areopagus, that is a hard word, and said, men of Athens, listen to what he says to these people now, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Paul said, boy, you're a religious crowd. You're a religious crowd. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Paul said, y'all are very religious. Y'all were either, even worshiping the unknown God. <laughs> Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I'm going to proclaim to you. And boy, did he ever do it. It's, this is the best message in a short paragraph that I've ever heard in my life. He says, I'm going to tell you who the unknown God is. For all these philosophers, all these Stoics, all these brilliant intellects, you know, and they had an, an, an image to the unknown God. Paul said, you're fixing to find out who he is. And listen to what he says. Look at this description. First thing he tells them that God is the creator. God who made the world and everything in it. He said, I'm going to tell you something. This unknown God, no, he's the one who made the world. And everything in it. And look at him. He said, and by the way, he's in control. He is Lord of heaven and earth. Now, don't you know those Epicureans and Stoics began to get a little anxious when he said, listen, he created the world. And he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And by the way, he doesn't dwell in a building made with hands. Then he went on, nor is he worshipped with man's hands. You could never make anything. To offer God. You could never offer him anything. He says nor is he worshipped with man's hands. As though he needed anything. You get the idea that you, God needs something. Since he gives life to all. Breath and to all things. He said listen. God is self-existent. He always has been. And always will be. Will be. He's eternal. He's the I am. There's nothing you can give to him. And nothing you can take away from him. For he is God and Lord of heaven and earth, and he created all things. But look at this. And he made from one blood every nation of men. Did you know that since we've got DNA, 
Those who study DNA say that we can trace all DNA back to one person. Oh, yeah. That the DNA of the billions of people in this world can be traced back to the initial DNA of one person. I guess his name was Adam. I could have told him that for all that study. It's in the Bible. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. By the way, he determined where they were going to live. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Now, do you know what he's just said? In paragraph, he said, he's creator of all things. He's Lord of heaven and earth. He is in, in control of all things. And he said he made of all nations one blood. And he appointed where their times and appointed where they were going to dwell. And let me tell you what he says to them. He's, you know what, why God did that? So that, they might, so that they should seek the Lord. God did all of this. You know he's there. You, you've got an altar to the unknown God. You just didn't know who he was. I'm telling you who he is. So that they would seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Listen to this. Though he's not far from each one of us. He said God's not hard to find out. He's not hard to find. All you've got to look around you and see. And then, of course, the verse I love. Having said all of that and preached all of that, Paul made this statement. And to me, it, it probably tells me more about our relationship with Jesus. It says, in him, we live and move and have our being. For the poets have said, we are his offspring. Do you realize this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus Christ has come to live in your heart and forgiven your sins, and by the way, to be forgiven of our sins, we have to repent of our sin. We have to change our mind about it. Oh, I can say, Lord, I've sinned. Anybody will say that because we all know we have. And I'm sorry for my sin, but I'm not going to quit. I enjoy it too much. I'm going to keep on living like I'm living. Can I tell you something that bothers me? A lot of people want what Jesus gives, but they don't want who Jesus is. Now think about it. I said, boy, Jesus will forgive you. I like that. But he also wants to be in control of your life. Oh, I don't want that. Oh, you don't get what Jesus gives until you receive who Jesus is. That changes everything. That separates everything. And so we, we've got to understand that this thing of Jesus, that he is our life. In him we live and move and have our being. And I, I just want to mention a couple of things. And we're going to get out at 1130. I know y'all say, Brother Fred's just getting started. And I know he always goes an hour. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go 59 minutes. No, anyway. <laughs> no. But now I, I'm, I'm on, this, this is important. I want you to leave here today not knowing that he was born in that manger in Bethlehem. Not only that he lived to sin this life. Not only that the blind saw and the lame walked and the dead were raised. Not only that he was crucified and raised from the dead and lives at the right hand of the Father. But he has come back to this earth to live his life in us in the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to continue his story by the life we live every day. Because his story is still going on. Oh, 
the story of Jesus is not over. It's being lived out every day by believers all over the world. We're still living out his story. He's living his life through us. And so here, here are a number of things I want to mention to you. The Bible says that Jesus, we, we became alive spiritually in Jesus. I want to give you a couple of verses. Jesus Emmanuel is our life in Christ. Look, look at it. It's Ephesians 2, 1. And you he made alive. Now, what part of that don't we understand? Fred, you he made alive. You mean I must have been dead in my sin. You were. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. And it goes on in the next verse and says, in Ephesians 2, verse 4. We're going all the way to verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad God's rich in mercy? I'm glad God's not running out of mercy. (laughs) We'll always need it. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, wait a minute, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Jesus is our life. And it goes on and says, he raised us up together with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places. So Jesus is our life. Then let's move on down. And let's talk about the fact that Jesus comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. See, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he told the disciples, if I go away, I will send the Comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. And that would be Christ in them. And he will never leave you. He'll always be in you. And so we read in 1 Corinthians 316, a tremendous verse. Now, this is interesting. Man, this is profound. Do you not know that you're the temple of God? What? And that the Spirit of God lives in you. My heavens. He's saying that of believers? You are the temple of God? And, uh, uh, and God dwells in you? And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And you're not your own. You're bought with a price. So, Jesus is our life. And he comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you know this? When Jesus becomes into our life, we become partakers of the divine nature. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. Listen to me. You were born with the nature of Adam, and the nature of Adam is sinful. But when Jesus Christ comes into our life, we no longer live in the nature of Adam. We become partakers of the divine nature. And that's in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false prophets among you, who will bring in... Destructive heresies is supposed to be verse 4. Did I, I don't want to read all four verses. All right. All right. For if, that is not the one I'm looking for. All I got to say to you is that we are partakers of the divine nature. And if you don't believe it, look it up in Peter, okay? 
and see, when I got saved, before I got saved, I had the nature of Adam, and I was a sinner by nature and a sinner by choice. Nobody ever had to teach me to sin. I started sinning as soon as I was, knew what, 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 yes, what, what, what yes was and no was. Why is it every time all you say to the little child is no, 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 no? Because they want to get in things they're not supposed to. Well, anyway, I don't need to go that way. So we're protectors of the divine nature. All right, now, he is, he is our life. Now, let me tell you how this works. In John chapter 15, this will this, help you. You say, Brother Fred, how does Jesus live his life in us? All right, John 15. And we're going to begin reading in verse 5. Here we go. Verse 5 says, verse 4 and 5. You got that, John 15, 4 and 5? Now, Jesus is talking to you and me. Abide in me. That means rely on. Let me just stay here. Abide. Rely on. Cling to. Trust in. Yield to. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, neither unless it abides in me, then neither can you unless you abide in me. And then our, I, now look at what Jesus said. Now this is for believers. I'm the vine. Okay, Jesus, you're the vine. And you're the branches. Oh, okay. Here's the vine and here's the branch. I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you abide in me, he who abides in me and I in him, Bears much fruit. You can be fruitful. For without me you can do nothing. Now you all know this. That the life in the branch. Comes from the vine. As long as that branch is in the vine. The the life of the vine. Flows into the branch. If that branch is ever severed. From the vine. Or ever something happens that it does not get the life flowing into it, that branch withers and dies. He said, so I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you would and it shall be done to you. So, the way Jesus is our life is that we abide in him. We abide in Jesus. Every day we cling to him, we trust him. Now, when we abide in Jesus... Galatians 5.22 becomes a reality. He says, herein my, he said in John, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. You say, well, I want my life to glorify God, Brother Fred. Okay. Herein is my life glorified that you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit is he talking about? Look at it. This is the fruit of the life of Jesus in us. Well, what is it like when the life of Jesus comes through a person what is it like let me tell you what it's like the fruit of the spirit is say it with me love when christ is abiding in you in you and him your life is going to have the fruit of love joy peace long-suffering kindness goodness and faithfulness that's the fruit of the spirit that's the fruit of of the life of Jesus in us. In other words, if Jesus is my life and your life and, and we're abiding in him, then there's going to be in us his love, his joy. Well, let me just show you. First of all, in John 15, 9 and 10, says he's our love. As the Father loved me, 
I also have loved you. Now, wait a minute. Abide in my love. Did you know the capacity to love comes from the presence of Jesus in your life? Guess what? It's not only love, joy. Did you know your joy comes from Jesus? Look at what it says in John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. And I will give the, and as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And then you go on and look at the 11th verse. And he says that he's our joy. Wait a minute. Jesus is our love. He's our life. Jesus is our joy. These things have I spoken to you. Now, wait a minute. That my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. You know what joy is? It's inner strength. It's inner strength. Strength when things are good, you're strong. When things are hard, you're strong. When you've got good news, you're strong. you got joy. It's not happiness. Happiness depends on what happens. Joy is inner strength. He said, Jesus is our love. Jesus is our joy. Guess what? He's our peace. Look at um, John 14, 27. John, listen, listen to this. Peace I leave with you. <clears throat> My peace I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. Well, Brother Fred, I just wish I could walk in love. And man, I just wish I had the joy, that inner strength that I need. And man, above all, man, I just want to have peace. Well, Jesus says, if you abide in my love, my love abides in you. He said, you keep my commandments, you'll have my joy, and your joy will be full. And he said, my peace I'll leave with you. You see, it all comes from Jesus being our life. And then you go on to the next thing, and it says that Jesus is our patience. Look at Colossians 1.11. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering. Let me, anybody here ever need to be patient? You ever get impatient? You said only when I was getting ready for church today and she was running late. Well, I mean, see, that, that's not right. You see, I'm, I'm just showing you the fruit of the spirits, the life of Jesus. Love, that's Jesus. Joy, that's Jesus. Peace, that's Jesus. Patience, that's Jesus. Jesus is our kindness. Look at Ephesians 2.7. In Ephesians 2.7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ. I love to be around kind people, harsh people, Harsh, critical, negative, mean. I don't like to be around those people. You say you need to learn. I'm not going to try to learn. I don't want to learn. I love them, but I don't have to like them. But you see, Jesus is our kindness. Where do you get the power to love? Where do you get joy? Where do you get peace? Where do you get uh, uh, kindness? Where do you get it? Patience. It's Jesus. He is by his Holy Spirit. He produces his fruit in us. All right? And Jesus is our goodness. Look at Luke 9, 16. You know, let me show you how good Jesus is. He had 5,000 men that didn't have anything to eat. And all he had was five loaves and two fishes. But you know what he did? Look here. He, looked, he took the five loaves and the two fishes. Looking up to heaven, he blessed them and broke them and gave them to the disciples. 
Jesus was so good he couldn't stand to see those people who'd come to hear him leave hungry. Oh, he was good. And he's our goodness. And we got a couple more. And Jesus is our faithfulness. Look at John 8, 29. For he who sent me is with me. Now, faithfulness. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Don't miss this. I always do the things that please him. Jesus said, I always do the things that please the Father. The greatest revelation that I believe God ever gave me was, one, I couldn't live the Christian life. Nobody ever lived the Christian life but Jesus. And the only one who could live the Christian life is Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ had come to live in me and you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus wants to do is live his life through you. He wants you to be yielded to him, trusting him, clinging to him, relying on him. And then he can be your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness. He's also the fruit of the Spirit's gentleness. 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 You know how gentle Jesus is? Look at that verse. Jesus said, let the little children to come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. What a gentle person Jesus is. And, and then Jesus is self-control. <laughs> wow. Don't you, you ever need self-control all the time? You know how, you want to see what kind of self-control Jesus had? The place in the scripture which he read was this. He led was a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before his shearer is silent, he opened not his mouth. Don't you know, it would have been so easy for Jesus to pronounce judgment on those who were fixed to kill him. You know, his story continues. His story continues through you and through me. Because Jesus still lives his life by the Holy Spirit in his people. So Jesus is our love. Our joy, our peace, our gentleness, our goodness, our kindness, our faithfulness, our self-control. Say, Brother Fred, it's so hard to live the Christian life. Quit trying. Quit trying. Just surrender to Jesus. Just let him take control of your life. How often? Every minute of every day. You can't say once and for all, Jesus, take over. He will, but you need to let him take over every day. Because he wants to continue his story. He wants to live his life through you. That's the glory of his birth. Jesus Christ continuing his story in your life. As the fruit of the Spirit is born in your life every day.